Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Uh, you know, we recorded at the PW offices, but of course now we're recording it from various remote locations, East Coast, West Coast, I'm not even sure anymore. Um, uh, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly, and I'm joined by uh, my colleague on uh, More to Come, Heidi McDonald. That's right, and I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at ComicsBeat.com, and you can find us on all social media at PW Comics World. All right, well, today on this episode of More to Come, we've got a great treat. We're going to be talking with uh, Michelle Wells, Chief Content Officer at Topis Media, and Jamie Rich, Editor-in-Chief at Topis Media. Uh, we've talked to them before in other incarnations, so we're going to find out now about what Topless Media is about, uh, along with some of the other uh, uh, mobile web comics platform. They're transforming how comics are consumed, how they're created, how storytelling, frankly, how comics look. So uh, welcome to More to Come, both of you. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Uh, let's uh. see, Ed. Heidi, you want to get started, and then I'll jump in. Yeah, well, yeah. I, so, so what are you guys up to? let's just talk obviously uh you're both fairly recent hires to tapas media there's been a lot of talk about everything going on in the mobile comics world so yeah michelle you joined first so why don't you just talk a little bit about what you've been up to since you joined tapas absolutely so i joined in march of 2021 as chief content officer and um, generally what I'm focusing on is defining our content vision and ensuring the creation of strong IP so that our readers always find relatable stories. Whoever they are, wherever they come from, they can find a story that sort of reflects their worldview and, and really engages them and makes them excited to be part of a story. Um, so, so yeah, so that's what I've been working on. Um, I've been in the process of building a really amazing team and, uh, one of the great hires we have brought in is Jamie who joined um, last month. I think in June, I think today is actually the official start of my third month. So I've been at top as all of two months, <laughs> um, but it's been exciting in terms of like getting to know the platform, looking at all the great content that goes across all the different fields on our platform, but also getting to know like a really young and enthusiastic team who loves web comics. They don't know any of the references I make to old Marvel comics. They don't understand that. And it's kind <laughs> of exciting and great to be looking at this young talent who are helping create the next level story and, and work with them now to push them to that level. Well, look, you know, I mean, the both of you have, I mean, an enormous amount of experience. I mean, you know, in some ways, just look, just to talk for a minute about the old world of comics, uh, you, you, you represent between the two of you, you know, what we would call indie comics, uh, DC superhero comics, and most importantly, uh, publishing for the, the book trade and publishing comics in the book trade. Now, I guess it's fair for us to ask, I mean, will all three of these ideas, these, this, all of this coming out of your background, uh, I mean, uh, uh, will this influence, what kind of impact is this going to have on what you're planning to do at Topis Media? 
Okay, so currently at Tapas, we see a lot of success with three specific genres in particular, right? Um, we focus on modern romance, romance fantasy, and action fantasy. Um, but we have been deepening and broadening our offerings in those spaces while also exploring new ways to play with the genres and break down boundaries. And of course, you know, harken back to some of the work Jamie and I have done in, in the past, um, along with the rest of the editorial team. So over the course of the next year or so, you can expect to see us lean into what Tapas does better than anyone else, but also bringing some of those perspectives into the types of stories we're telling. Yeah, I mean, I particularly love genre and I love how malleable genre can be. So I feel like actually particularly the having a broad base of romance and fantasy, there's a lot we can play with in there and a lot of ways we can stretch what we're doing on top of and try some different things. So that's kind of what I've been encouraging my editorial team to think about. It's like, how do you, how do you flip these trends? How, when you, when you're looking at say villainous, type title, which is very popular uh, across web comics. How do you play with the genre in a way you haven't before? And uh, that's kind of what excites me about Tapas and what excites me about digital and web comics is you have this broad landscape to play with that I think, you know, sometimes the more traditional print comics don't have. Jamie, actually, you, when you were at Oni way back in the day, you kind of pioneered a lot of this romance uh, action. I mean, you were there before it was fashionable. I'm glad you brought this up because I have a grudge uh, against you from like the 2006, 2007 Ignatz Awards where you made fun of how many titles I was writing that had love in it. <laughs> long memory. He's got a long memory. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that that's, was my attraction to Tapas is I realized I was missing this kind of material. I was missing genre material, creator driven, more creator driven original IP. And I looked at Tapas when this job popped up and was like, well, she knows this. I told her, so I was like, well, if Michelle went there. They must be a good company. Um, so I applied for the job because I was just feeling a longing for doing these kinds of stories and working with new talent and fostering that. Do you feel though? Uh, I mean, how do you feel this generation is approaching this kind of material, though? I mean, like I said, you were you you were there when it was so it was such an outlier when you were doing it at Oni, and now it's so wildly popular. I I enjoy like the breadth of imagination I'm seeing from this newer generation. Like I was definitely working with more classical like romance tropes and looking at old movies and things. Um, and again, they don't often get my references because of that. Um, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, but I do, I do, you know, get into the black pink versus BTS fights in the office. Like, and I'm totally a total blink, but, um, no, I, what's fat, what's interesting is actually I've always wanted to do like really long term series. And I would look at, at some of the indie series, like when Tim Seeley and Mike Norton were doing revival and it went on for several years. And I was like, I want to do a narrative like that. And so the soap opera element of romance and being able to do it over these long seasons, like, like a, a top of season is like 24 issues of a comic book or more and being able to explore characters in depth that way um, is pretty cool, I think. And that, and I am looking forward to how, how I can encourage different modes of storytelling to, to expand those stories like that. I mean, well, I mean, one thing that's pretty obvious, of course, is that, uh, you know, Mobile comics, they they tend to seem to be rarely influenced by manga. Um, uh, I assume that will continue, um, or what? Uh, will the visual style change in any way under your program? 
I think a little bit. I mean, we're going to, there's, again, there's room for everything. And so there are certainly, we're still going to be working with Kakao to get, bring import comics from Korea. We're still going to be working with their studios and other studios to create some of the content. So that standard style will change. But what uh, we might be looking at is how do we put a little more Western influence into that? I mean, the cow and uh, Magical Boy is a great example of that to where the art does have a manga influence, but it still looks Western. It still looks a little indie. Um, and I actually always got in this fight with people in mainstream comics and traditional comics who had a manga prejudice. It's like the influence is here. Like the like at this point you have people who are influenced by manga and they don't even know it because they were reading <laughs> Arthur Adams so or Campbell. So yeah, I think I think there's a way that we could create a, a definite tapas identity using what we already have. A lot of our community uploaders uh, that put their own content on there also have that kind of style. Um, DPS only, which got nominated for an Eisner, had a manga style, but with a little Western aspect to it too. So I'm reading it now. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm looking at is how, how do we work with what we've got and bring in these other influences as well. So Michelle, I guess I'd ask you kind of the same question because you come from a kid's comics background, mostly correct. And um, I, yeah. How did you feel like, how did, how did that um, experience kind of integrate with what you were doing at Tapas? Well, I think that um, generally the appeal for me is very character-driven stories, right? Characters that you really fall in love with and will sustain your engagement over the course of a long series. So I think that if when you come back to stories that feel really universal, that feel really personal, but yet broad in scope, I think Tapas does that really well. And so to me, that was sort of how I related to these stories. Where I was looking like, oh, this is an amazing story of, you know, this, this female-led, uh, amazing story that feels really fresh and new and different I feel like um, that's what kind of drives the interest in the storytelling yeah I think getting back to even something we were talking about in terms of how I interpret romance in these comics now is is I did hit a point where I was writing that stuff to where it was no longer I always thought it would just be good enough if you had a boy and a girl and you put them together um, or a boy and a boy or a girl and a girl uh, but I just as I was going, it was like, oh, you have to have these interesting wrinkles. So we have books like, say, Sound of Bread, which launched recently, where the main character has synesthesia, and when she eats, she hears music. And so there's this – so she, of course, falls for a baker. He's kind of a jerk, but then <laughs> they follow, you know, it's, it's like that kind of thing as I'm really enjoying to see how – these different creators are thinking about what types of people they want to put together, what kind of characters and voices they want to follow. Um, and as we know, like new voices is very important in all entertainment right now. And for me, that's Tapas is reaching out to different kinds of people already in terms of our readership and, and talent. And I want to continue to push that and find the original voices that we haven't heard yet. Exactly. Having that perspective from authentic voices, talking about their lived experience is incredibly important to all of us. And I think that's kind of the key thing that drives the interest in these stories is being able to go out to that community and say, like, what is your story? What really is important to you and how do you want to tell it? And the fact that Tapas kind of democratized storytelling in that way that maybe more traditional publishing companies haven't quite done. Um, it's really exciting to me. Now, now Tapas, uh, not only obviously you reach out to artists, but it it's it also functions as a self-publishing platform too, right? Through uh, Tapa Studio, um, 
Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I mean, I mean, you you guys have a lot of creators, uh, right. but you also have a lot of registered users as well. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think what we got some stats today: what nine million registered users, uh, probably more, right. I guess, in traffic per month, um, uh, uh, tens of thousands of creators. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, so we have a lot of users who are uploading their own content and there are ways that they can be monetized in doing so as well because we sell what's called ink on our platform, yes. which mm-hmm. is just, you know, basically credits that they can then give to their favorite series or their favorite creator. Um, the, 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 the non-exclusive talent that is uploading on their own also has like a tip jar. So there's ways for anybody to monetize who's on there, but we are looking at that content, the user generated content for yeah, what's, who's going to be the next big creator on top is how, how are these people working? How can we help them then, you know, stick to our platform, use it and help them to monetize and to make money doing what they want to do. So there's a lot of stuff on there and it, again, there's, there's so much talent to go through that it is almost in some ways like, the farm team in a way, like you're creating the, the next big league. Well, right. I think, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, as, as you said, um, that we have 9 million registered users and 8.7 billion views to date. So as Jamie was saying, like we're really bringing in this amazing like influx of different types of stories, but it's in three different buckets. So the one side is the community side, which you referred to that's user generated content, which is really amazing and phenomenal. And you really see the unique stories rise to the top. Like the, the subscriber count will really go up when they're nailing it. It's amazing to watch. And then we have licensed and acquired titles. And as Jamie referred to earlier, those come from our partners in Korea and in China and kind of all over the world, telling the best stories that are unique to them. And then the studio top aside is the in-house IP creation, those stories that we are creating, like sort of on staff and going out and finding the right writers and artists to tell these stories. So it's those three different things. And all together, I kind of feel like there's a story for anyone. No matter what you're looking for, you will find something you love to read. And yeah, I mentioned the sound of bread earlier. That was actually like our first original comic that was created in house concepts all the way up and is are having fantastic success already. Which, which, which so one good. was that? I couldn't hear the name. Sound of bread. Uh huh. And when did that launch? Uh, last month. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so is this something that you were working on, Michelle, or the sound of bread? So this was actually the brainchild of um, one of our editors, Gabby Liu, um, who's kind of amazing. And I believe she worked on it with Brooke Wong and uh, Jamie, who else? And Megan Callahan. And Megan Callahan, yeah. So the three of them together just, just put this together. It was really phenomenal. Um, and again, it's like, when else do you see a story with a protagonist who has synesthesia, who falls in love with somebody who's baking <laughs> bread? I mean, it's just so unique. And, and it was actually first pitched to me in the interview process. And I was kind of like, oh, I need to go work there. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, by the same token, what can you, can you give us some background on DPS only? How, how did that get started? And that was another one that Gabby, I believe, cultivated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she, she found the talent and, and developed the story with them. Uh, and so, yeah, that was one of the first ones I read when I got here because, oh, it's been nominated for an yeah. Eisner, which is pretty wild because when you consider how hard it is to sort of break through that Eisner wall sometimes because yeah. people are voting for what's very familiar and what they know and to, to have that make its way through. 
Um, partially, you know, thanks to Kim Estland, our, in our public, uh, public relations department who has pushed that book very hard. Um, uh, I think, yeah, it, it shows that like there's so many different ways that you can play with scrolling comics and this, it's visually exciting uh, for people who haven't read it. It's about a girl who's involved in a gaming world where her brother is like a champion. And so she has a very secret identity as she's navigating through there and you get to see all the, like how you play with online personas, all those kinds of things. It's, it's a, it's just a really special comic. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, the metrics that you have. And obviously, because it's digital, you do have a lot of readership information. And obviously, you know, mobile comics have been in the news quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. And maybe for some of our listeners who are not familiar with them as much, can you maybe talk about what you know about how your audience engages with the material? I mean, is it is you obviously have a website, but is it? It is read on phones, correct? Or, I mean, what do we know about that? We have a mobile app and we have a website. Um, On the mobile app, yeah, it's it's a much more enjoyable, easy read experience. Um, But we we generally kind of know what what really resonates with the audience through either the subscriber counts or by the content that's paid out through the in-app coins, which as Jamie mentioned, we call ink. So um, either readers can purchase ink or they can earn it by watching ads, which is really interesting and exciting to me because, you know, as you mentioned, I spent so much of my time in YA and kids publishing. And so for that, you're really courting the educators and the parents and the librarians who have the purchasing power for those stories. But here, teens who might not have access to a credit card, might not have disposable income, can still access the stories through this this ink uh, monetization, which is really interesting. And and that way we can see what types of stories speaks to our readership. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, you know, being able to get this kind of immediate feedback must be fantastic as an editor. And, you know, always learnings, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) And and if I could just jump in for a second, for for our listeners who may not have engaged with, you know, the app or before, you know, you you can read for free. uh, If you really, if you, if you, you know, you read a couple episodes and you just can't wait, then you can, you can uh, purchase ink or you can watch commercials or there, there, there there are actually multiple ways you can acquire ink and then you can kind of purchase ahead of the, uh, the, the free release of the thing. So it's a great combination. Uh, you can, if you're patient, you can just wait for the, wait for the episodes release. If you can't wait, you can buy your way into it, find out more. And then of course, there's a whole other level of engagement that would between fans and artists, uh, that is kind of what makes web comics so special. Yeah. I mean, every episode has a comment section where readers are immediately giving feedback and often interacting with the artists. Um, just in terms of like some perspective, like eyeballs wise, uh, on average, more than 450,000 episodes are unlocked every day. And when we say unlocked, that's where, yeah, you've either paid ink or you're, you're watching an ad. Um, so that's a lot of people reading comics, um, about 4 million views per day on average across the, the, the app itself. For so, so that includes all the free readings and stuff. And I mean, as we know that there's not getting that many eyes on individual comics in the print world. So digital comics have been growing and growing in web comics and the other side of, of, of publishing hasn't been paying as much attention to it as I think they should have, because clearly there's a big audience here who are finding our books in a different way, which uh, you guys actually, I'm sure remember 
Same thing happened in the early 2000s with manga, where <laughs> all, the, all the kids in Barnes & Noble reading. Absolutely. Manga. Manga's the reason why we're all here. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's be frank. They, they, it transformed the book world. Um, um, and, it, and we're talking about a global audience, I would assume. Yes. For... Uh, for tapas. Now, you've talked about some of the, obviously you do bring in some of the Korean webtoons, which, you know, webcomics. Um, are any of the American created comics going back out internationally? Are they finding an audience? They are. And we're also doing some partnerships with our overseas studios. So for example, um, some of the content we're developing um, in our editorial department here in Studio Tapas, we're working with our team in Beijing where they're creating the art. And so they're, we're kind of doing it all together as sort of um, an international project. And then we are publishing day and date localized into both languages. So that that's like one example of a partnership we have going on currently that we're just, we're super excited to see uh, come to fruition. Absolutely. Okay. Look, I have to ask, are, are we going to see any print comics? Yeah, well, you're going to see the very first will be Magical Boy, which we're working on with Scholastic. Great. Uh, so that, okay, that's okay. Let, be... Let's talk. Let's talk print comics, or let's talk. I, you know, Calvin between the digital audience. Calvin had to get into the print. I had, had to, to get. I, I, I stifled it for as long as I could. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, but, but go so on. Yes. Our, <laughs> yeah, that's our very first one. It's going to be in two volumes. So first one in January, um, the second one in June, coming out. Uh, yeah, via Scholastic for V2. Um, and, uh, the cow is, is a it was part of our, uh, U.S. book show, wasn't it? I think it was part, I think it, it was. was announced during the U.S. book show. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just the beginning as far as we're concerned. Um, we did hire a senior director of publisher relations, Alex Carr, and he's looking for key partners to work with in the print publishing space and wants to develop a whole program that allows us to get then that content to new readers who might not have seen it fans from the site who might want to own their own copy and we again we're web comics so like our idea is any way you should be able to get this material anytime you want to engage with it in whatever fashion that's our goal is to have it there waiting for you so this yeah should just be the the beginning of everything uh so i mean with the formatting of of the mobile mm-hmm. comics though is it there you do they do have to be reformatted for print we right do. yeah we work with our print publishing partners and they do the reformat right right so, so that's interesting mm-hmm. yeah so uh i i this i guess you know the question that has to be asked i mean michelle you mentioned the the three buckets uh and I, so the things that are developed in-house, are these owned by Tapas? Are they creator participation or how does that work? Both. Um, you know, we, we just like to explore the best possible way to get content to our readers, whatever that means. So we will work with creators in ways that maybe other companies haven't really explored um, just because it's, it's interesting to us to try to just do new things all the time. So yes, we have some um, internally created uh, stories that come through Studio Tapas. We also have some announcements that will be coming soon with some very recognizable creators. Oh, <laughs> Ooh. From the western side, this is, yes. 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 Um, So, yeah, we're we're just trying new things. The the main thing is we want to tell stories that excite readers. And however we can get new readers to our site or to our print um, publishing program, that's what we're going to do. So. You know, one thing I noticed, I mean, some, I mean, uh, I mean, I look at some of the other, uh, platforms out there. I look at Webtoon, 
Um, uh, it, it, there seems to be on Tapas, um, the, the, the individual layout, they, there does seem to be some differences. I mean, very often, uh, you know, you know, a, a quote unquote page in, on, on these, in a mobile app comic is really the equivalent of almost one panel in a, you know, traditional Western comic. Although some of the Tapas comics seem to have a kind of a page orientation. So, is this how it worked out? Is this a plan? Are you you're just a little more fluid? With it's how you it's interesting that you notice that because that's actually something we're talking about going forward is when we make some deals with some of the creators who are more used to a traditional graphic novel format or a page view of a comic, for example, we're creating those as pages and then sort of back developing them into web comics. Yeah. And, but primarily our comics are created in the web comic format and then are just reformatted for print, but we're kind of open to both and just, you know, it's the, whatever works best to serve this particular story at that time, Jamie being in charge of production has kind of a lot on his plate with that, but <laughs> you should have seen my face. The first time I saw a file that is 20 panels running vertically. And yes. it's like, you can't even see it on your screen fully because you have to blow it up and, I was like, this is amazing to to look at coming from uh, traditional print comics when it was pages. And so I've always thought, though, like the, the thing about comics is they're units. So you have your pages and within the pages, you have your panels and what can fit inside a panel is something that's very becomes very intuitive after a while. So there's a lot of cool tricks that we do to keep the scrolling experience feel like you're turning a page. In a print comic, you have to make sure you, the thing at the end of the page makes you want to look at the next one. And so that's why we, we do things like spacing and hiding information until you have to push it up. You have to keep looking. Uh, so I just want to, going forward, depending on the project, make sure we're thinking about it in the smart way. Is this a writer who maybe is going to better perform if they think about the traditional uh, way of putting a page together. If that's going to have a long life as a book, do we want to think about that first? And then at Tapas, we can create the scrolling experience and, and fit the art that way. But I think there will be some cases where I think an innovative creator who is thinking about scrolling will m want to start in that fashion too. So, you know, much like the old days when I was at Oni or even at Dark Horse, when you're working with a creator on a creator-owned thing, you kind of have to figure out what's the vision here where where do we best go in in terms of even the tapas' own material? Like, what is our vision? How do we do this best? Um, and again, I, I always want to stress, like, hey, web comics, no limits. Let's try it all. Um, we have the space. Let's do it. Uh, all right. Um, well, you know, you've got you you, you, the, you the, I've got a data sheet here. I'm looking at now. You've got a lot of partnerships uh, with some traditional book companies, Hachette. Uh, and traditional you know, comics, more newer traditional comics, I'll put it that way. I mean, Vault, I mean, I'm seeing uh, 10 Speed Press, obviously very traditional. I mean, uh, can we expect to see some book, some comics, you know, from these? Well, I mean, not, and what about nonfiction comics? I'm always curious about that too. You know, um, actually, uh, our VP of content, Michael Sun, and I have been talking about that since I joined. Uh, we were just like, what can we do on the nonfiction front? Where can we be looking to, you know, educational uh, content as well? So it's definitely something we're talking about. Um, and in, in terms of with, you know, conventional, traditional publishers, 
look, if you look at the leadership team at Tapas, we all have some very longstanding relationships, um, you know, coming from the world of comics and the world of print publishing uh, in books as well. So we will be working very closely with them to decide when and how best to roll out programs that make sense for the readership. But exactly like Jamie said, what serves each story the best? Um, we don't we don't want to paint everything with the same brush. We want to be very thoughtful about what makes the most sense to serve up this particular story and how will we do that? Yeah, and I mean, I there's a lot of people that I've worked with in the past that maybe aren't set for the Tapas platform. It might not be their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there are guys that, that I've worked with in indie comics that I think, yeah, could probably do some pretty cool stuff here. But um, I had the same philosophy when I was at Vertigo, like just because I've worked with you in the past doesn't mean that the door is automatically open. I'm really like, I am I can be a tough cookie when it comes to content and wanting to find the, the best stories and what, and again, what's going to work in this space for me is not what's necessarily going to work anywhere else. Oh, that's, you know, that's a really a key point though. And mm-hmm. Jamie and Michelle, I think that's what, uh, like you say, there's the a lot of the quote on trope, traditional comics industry doesn't really still get just how engaged readers are with this content and the fact that it's not what they what the traditional comics industry grew up with or what you know they consider um the core genres let's put it that way uh it it is very different i mean it's very exciting it must be really exciting because uh, it does seem you two, and you know, you mentioned Alex Carr has also come on. I know you hired Chris Robinson, so you're really expanding your editorial team there. Um, but you know, moving up the ladder, obviously, Tapas just went through acquisition. Um, they were hired, you know, over per- purchase for cacao for quite a bit of, uh, quite a bit of dough. Quite a bit of ink. <laughs> yes, a lot of ink. <laughs> a lot of it ink. Was, it was many, many, many billions of comics views. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, how much, how much is, you know, having a new owner impacting what you're doing? You know what? We're, we're really going to continue to be autonomous. Um, they like what we do. They respect what we do and they want us to continue doing what we do better than anybody else. So it's not like we're being, you know, completely absorbed or anything like that. Um, we will have autonomy. We just have a much more global reach. We have access to a lot more global partners through them. Um, and, and a lot more help. You know, um, Chang Kim, who's our CEO, just spent the summer in uh, in Seoul, just you know, really deepening those relationships and finding new ways for us all to work together as partners. So it's a it's a really exciting time to to come on board and, and know that we can go forward with the support of a larger corporation, but still operate in a very nimble small company kind of way. Yeah, and, and a couple of weeks ago, we had our meeting with some of the, the folks at Cacao, and they showed us a deck of all the things they're working on and what's a big hit for them. And we did the same. And it was, it was again, it's exciting to look at like what all they're doing and then what we're doing and how we can meld that together and how we can use their, these resources to expand. Like it, it is like for people who are like, why would Jamie go join Tapas? Why would you leave DC? It's like, cause there's so much that happening here and so much potential for the next couple of years as we, as we make these new stories, as we make these new plans, like it feels, it feels like back in the old days and being scrappy and doing indie comics. And uh, I'm, it's, it's got me jazzed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. by my voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, to jump back to uh, what Michelle mentioned about the uh, the the genres um, uh, that you that you're really seeing that fans are going to. I'm very curious. I mean, 
content aimed at the LGBTQ community, uh, I think, is like groundbreaking and exploding in popularity and interest and repurposing. So, uh, and clearly on these uh, mobile apps, uh, we, we're really seeing all kinds of LGBTQ content. So, uh, yeah, you, you want to speak to that at all? We definitely see a large percentage of our stories um, that that come from an authentic place within the LGBTQ community, and we see the readers are really looking for that. Um, you know, you mentioned that we have access to a lot of stats. We do. We, we can really see that that content is super popular. And, you know, part of it is maybe that content is not reaching readers from other places, and that's a big part of the gravitational pull over here. I think the other part of it is really the freedom of storytelling, being able to kind of read wherever you are in, in episodic bites rather than kind of sitting down and, and devoting some time. So I think there's there's an appeal to uh, a much younger audience there as well. And that's an audience that's specifically looking for this type of content. And but BIPOC in general, uh, can, do you measure your audience? Do you, are you, you getting information back on that? So I don't think we have specific demographics that speak to that, but I know we are always kind of doing outreach and making sure that we are publishing stories that come from an authentic place and are reaching all of the segments of the audience. So, and I think if you are providing the stories, the readers will come, especially if those stories are really strong. Yeah, that's, I mean, I feel like this has been the catch 22 of comics since I've been working here is we keep going, Hey, we need these new audiences but then we don't have anybody to create those stories. So we're not going to change the stories. And so then the new audience doesn't come and then we don't get the inspired creators. So I, you know, for me as an editor in chief in these modern times, I really have to be conscious of like, we need to make sure that the doors are open for everybody. And frankly, as a, as a storyteller, I've heard, I've heard all of them all before from, from guys that look just <laughs> like me. Like I know these stories. <laughs> So it's more interesting for me to see uh, people coming in. Um, like I've gotten some pitches already that my editors have found where I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This is something I haven't seen in a way I haven't seen it before. Um, and I think that's where our the, the current top of staff really has a strength is sort of understanding of their, they are, they do look different than me. They do have different backgrounds than me and they have different backgrounds than each other. And they're, they're eager to find those kinds of things. So you are, you know, talking about that, let me, let me kind of ask about if you are an aspiring creator and you do want to be on top of us, you know, what is the best way to do that? How is the best way to approach you? Or if you're an established old timer who worked yeah. with you at Vertigo, <laughs> Jamie, who doesn't, you know, who's just heard what you said and their heart broke. Um. <laughs> well, Brian K. Vaughn, if he's listening, there we go. There we go. I'll buy some ink. Come on down. I'll buy some Come on in down. that series. <laughs> Come on, he's a nice guy, so he might do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, it's he's an interesting one to bring up because he's embraced digital and web. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Own platform. Yeah. Very successfully, I, I would say. But I mean, one of the best ways to get on top is, is you can just create an account and start creating your comics and start uploading. Um, you mentioned Chris Robinson; he's part of the team that's watching that side and, and monitoring the community and, and making sure all the engagement is positive. And so there's that way. And we have a submissions form on our website where you can submit ideas that will be seen. Um, so that works as well. Um, the, 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 the 
price of access is pretty easy as long as you're just creating and then, you know, stick with what you're doing and build your audience with us. Yeah. I mean, you know, I do ask that because I do know out there in the community, obviously things are so much in flux. We've been, Calvin and I and Kate have been talking about that on this, this, the web, you know, on our podcast for the last few weeks, like, oh, it's just been like 52 pickup, man. Um, yeah. but I know as people have seen you go there, Jamie and, you know, Alex and Chris and, you know, people joining who are such respected editors, um, you know, everybody's got to be shuffling through the papers on their desk and, you know, seeing what pitches they might have. Right. right. <laughs> And yeah, and I'm open to, you know, to talk and I've had some, some folks reach out and I've talked about, you know, their pitches and why it may or may not work here. Um, I'm definitely curious to see, yeah, who's, who's still, who's out there thinking about this because we have seen other creators go to other content platforms and I, there's no reason a lot of them couldn't get in touch with me. And well, well, let's say, what's up? Substack is the flavor of the month right now for uh, as a platform. Um, I mean, alongside or right behind uh, uh, you guys. Um, so absolutely, this 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 is what's exciting. This is a uh, you know, this is a time of change. I'm uh, now. I'm also very curious. <clears throat> I mean, it, and this may be tough for you, so but I'm just curious. I mean, one of the things as we emerge from this pandemic, and I'm also in, interested in. Uh, if if you believe the, the the pandemic generated interest, created new readers or whatever, but uh, uh, can you or do you plan to work with libraries? Is there a way? I mean, one of the things we saw during the pandemic, of course, libraries were forced to uh, really tra- uh, turn turn their attention to digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and which is is tough for them. So, is there a way to bring um, the library audience into this this uh, mobile app community? Absolutely. Um, I'm actually on the advisory board of a group called Reading with Pictures, and they oh, have sure, a, yeah, of course, yeah, they have a lot of connections within the library with the educators. Um, they're look, they're key to the future uh, with with everything here, and um, their input is so valuable, and they they help us shape you know, reading tastes for generations. So it, it would be foolish for us to not be looking to partner with libraries as well and seeing how we can possibly be in a situation that's advantageous across the board. Um, so yeah, it's just, a, it's just a question of like figuring out how best to bring um, people in and at what time, you know, we're, we're also working with, um, some other organizations, uh, we've had some conversations with We Need Diverse Books, just making sure that we're hearing oh, perspectives. And make, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just making sure that, that we're kind of having the right conversations with the right people to make sure that the content we produce is what everybody wants and needs and is, is the right time for it. Like, you know, you said the pandemic came around and everybody's habits changed. We all started binging way more than, or at least I did. I was not a binger before and I am now. And, you know, we have content that is ripe for binging and it's really fun to be able to immerse yourself in that type of storytelling. So we have seen shifts in the consumption of storytelling. And I think we'll continue to see that going forward. And there's an addictive aspect of our app to where we've made it very easy when you get to the end of one chapter to go to the next. Um, as I found where I get caught up in the story and I just keep going. You just keep so. going. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> it. It truly is the endless canvas. I mean, it's, <laughs> you just keep, keep scrolling. Oh yeah. And if, I mean, if once you get on the site, you just, 
there's, you know, your discoverability is so fantastic because obviously once you read one thing, it tells you, oh, here's some other things you might like. I mean, there's just literally no end to what you could read on the Tapa site. And so, yeah, it's very, very addictive. <laughs> it can be a little intimidating. There's so much choice, but, you know, it's that's, you know, it's a happy problem to have. Uh, there really is so many ways. I mean, obviously the site's constructed to try to, try to help you and guide you to figure out what you might want to check out. Um, but you can really, you know, your eyeballs can kind of roll around a little bit. There's so much stuff. There's so, I mean, I, I think one of the most, and I, I, I say this over and over again, but the, the end of the one genre comics market in North America is really the, 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 uh, the transform formative moment uh, for North American comics, obviously you're a global company, but, uh, but the, the, the impact here is so powerful in North America. It's, uh, it's really impressive. I think, yeah, culturally, even if you think about the shift of the term comic book movie, which when I was a film critic, I used to fight with other film critics. Uh-huh. I was like, did you know Tamara Drew was a comic book? Did you know America's <laughs> a comic book? It's not um, a pejorative. <laughs> but that's changing now. Yeah, it doesn't mean superhero movie. Yeah. You've got success of other types of stories coming from comics. And in that world, is, the entertainment world is very interested in graphic novels and all the other things, all the, all the different things we're doing. And so I think, you know, you'll, you'll see Tapas moving into that space as well. Like it's something we're very interested in. Well, uh, I, in the Korean version of this, I mean, so many TV shows, K-pop TV shows are based on web comics. I mean, it's a, it's kind of like the normal source for the IP. I mean, is that part of, I mean, the surge of IP that you're putting out? I mean, obviously media participate, I mean, you know, media development. Absolutely. So we have uh, a new creative development team, and that's headed up by Kevin Nichols, who joined us from uh, Wolper at Warner oh, yes. uh, very recently. And so, yeah, so he's he's ma- making amazing strides in terms of uh, developing interests uh, from ancillary partners for film and TV. But also, you know, through Kakao, we have access to, like, all of this K-drama content, and it's incredibly popular. You're talking about the North American shift in, in the marketplace. Mm. You know, K-dramas are... are you know, incredibly popular. So having access to that type of storytelling and also having, uh, you know, a readership who's now used to consuming content like that, um, it just opens up a lot of doors for us. I, I was, oh, go on, Jim. I'm sorry. I was saying too, and you see, I mean, that puts Tapas in a position to like be very much a full publisher for the creators that we're, we can be a full service in terms of, we can help you with all of these other things. We can help you monetize your comic. We can help you get it into print. We can help you get it onto Netflix or whatever else. Like that, that to me is again, we all, I used to remember being back in the day and, and pushing my own comics and wanting that kind of help and from an editor, from, from production, all of that. So to me, as Tapas continues to explore these new realms that we do want to keep it going back to like, when you work with us, you can benefit. I was going to say also, um, talking about, um, you know, vertigo, but the, the, obviously there's such a huge, huge, huge surge in kids comics. And I mean, you know, we have all these, these, the authors who are really getting their names out there. I mean, are those also the kind of creators that you, you might be looking at to come to Tapas? We might be. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, yeah. Okay, say. <laughs> well, I, you know, I wrote, I, I was talking to a friend and, uh, it was kind of funny that, you know, obviously we've had these announcements over the last couple of weeks and, you know, one announcement comes out and one set of people is upset. You know, or excited. And then the, another announcement comes out and it's the exact opposite. You know, the people who are excited are upset. People who are upset are super excited. And it's, it's like everyone, we were saying everybody has their own little bubble of what they're, they're looking at. And, you know, not just, I'll I'll give Calvin a pat on the back and maybe he can pat me on the back. But, you know, on this podcast, we do try to see the holistic whole of comics. Um, and that manga and web comics and kids comics and superhero comics are all part of one industry. And, um, yeah, it's interesting to see them all kind of coming together and all really trying new ways of doing business all, you know, very, very quickly, it seems. Well, well, and I, you know, this is my book background bias, but, uh, we're seeing the, in my opinion, we're seeing the comics market function like the book market. Yeah. Something for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I, I, I just think it's incredibly important. Um, that, uh, among this younger generation, when you say comics, they don't assume you mean one thing. Right. Uh, And, and I'm not knocking superhero comics. I love the superhero comics made me the goofy guy you see here now. Uh, But, you know, we have a real ecosystem now, a really diverse ecosystem, or certainly the beginnings in many ways, it's just the beginnings of it. And uh, I think that's what's generating so much interest in the comics world and that it, it, it ain't one thing anymore. Yeah. And you have generations now coming up who are reading first on digital. And yeah. so that, that whole that whole nostalgia for the printed material is going to shift. It's going to change. And so I think comics is in a unique position to – compete with other visual media because it's visual. It's not just prose. And even though we are doing awesome with web novels as well. And that's very, oh, that's right. Popular. Yes. You guys publish yeah. novels too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think, you know, comics are in this position to like, people are now getting more and more used to combining, combining words and pictures. And I think that that's showing in our, in the Renaissance here. So where do you guys want to be in a year? Well, um, I think what we want to be doing is making sure that we are um, providing stories for anyone who wants to read um, in any way they want to read it. Um, I can't really talk very much about what we will be doing, but I know. <laughs> okay. Well, that's See? just the teaser. Oh, the teaser. <laughs> teaser. Nice. Hey, can I ask, I mean, how big a staff is there? I mean, I don't know. Uh, is it, is you, are you divided between North America? Is everyone spread out all over the globe? We, or? we have, yeah, we have three main offices. So we have, uh, in, in the U.S., um, and then we have, um, also Seoul and Beijing offices. Um, and so I think we have a total of 108 or 109 employees, but, um, it's just grown so exponentially, even since I've joined that I was like, we were looking at our org chart earlier today and I was like, wait, who are those? I don't know those people. They're on my team though. I don't know <laughs> who they are yet. There you go. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, you but you know, we need it. We need, we need as many people and as many perspectives as we can get to make sure that we are delivering content that people want to engage with, which is really important. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking at building a larger editorial team that's got 
experience from cross publishing uh, so that some folks can teach the digital guys how to do more traditional print publishing and vice versa. Like, and, and again, looking for people who are going to bring me something I don't have some, some point of view that I'm missing. Um, and uh, Tapas has an amazing work culture and everyone is very open and sharing and we all work together. So to me, this is like, it, it's, it's so much more fun than I'm, it's, I'm looking at keeping that alive and because that I think goes into the stories and goes into the comics. If we're all getting along, if we're all working with people we like, we're going to start creating better and better comics. All right. Absolutely. Well, uh, I think we're about up to our 50 minute limit here, yeah. uh, which is where we try to keep these two. So, um, so this is fantastic. Uh, yeah. Jamie and Michelle, it's so great to be, you know, we're the first Calvin and I are the first and we're just like, yeah. We're so we're so excited. We're like what? Well, we, we like to, that. We like yeah, this We get to talk to uh, Michelle, Jamie about Tapas. Oh my god! <laughs> great conversation. Um, uh, and you guys touch all the bases. So uh, you know, we'll be excited to do this in do this again, maybe in a couple of months or a, or a year when you when you really got your stuff out there when you can really like uh, and when all of the the teases that you mentioned uh, will be public. So yeah, um, yeah to free. Uh, quite a phrase. It does sound like you guys have more to come. Yes, if I just we may quote ourselves. Yes. <laughs> I feel like every day I'm just like, yeah, we're working on that. Is my it's almost everything. There, there, there's always more to come. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. So look, thanks to the both of you. Um, this has been a great, great conversation. Yeah. Thank you, Thank Jamie you Rich. Well. I'm Michelle Wells of Tapas Media. Uh, I'm Heidi McDonald. And I'm Calvin Reed. And there will be more. more to come. <laughs> to come. Yeah, we didn't get our timing right. Yeah, we don't know how to do it. You yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. All, All right, right, everybody. Thanks Thank much. Thank you.